Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. Would you take your copy of God's Word, please, the Bible, and find Revelation chapter 3? Revelation chapter 3 should be pretty easy to find. That's the last book in the Bible. Probably don't even need a table of contents to find that. So, first Sunday in December. Uh, kind of a special time for me and my family as it marks another year that by God's grace the Lord has allowed us to partner with you here at Crossgate Church uh, to make more and better disciples. Uh, we've kind of gotten into the habit of taking the first Sunday in December now to reflect on what God has done in and through our church and what God, more importantly, what God wants to do in and through our church. Last year, you may remember, we brought a message entitled Cross Gate at the Crossroads, and we looked back. We, we glanced in the rearview mirror and celebrated so many of the ways that God had brought us through a challenging season, healthier and poised for significant ministry impact. Today, we're going to take a long look into the windshield. I don't know about you, but I don't live in the rearview mirror. I live in the windshield, by God's grace. And we're going to talk about some some things, some doors, some open doors that God has placed before us as a church going into 2023 for the next uh, 12 months. And we're going to begin by reading a few verses from Revelation chapter 3. Look at this beginning in verse 7. Just a few verses. To the angel of the Lord, excuse me, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So this is part of a letter that Jesus sent to a church in an ancient city called Philadelphia through the Apostle John. Was, was sent about 60 years after Jesus rose from the grave and ascended back to heaven. And in this message, he talked about an open door that he had placed before this church in Philadelphia. The, the city of Philadelphia was founded in 189 B.C., so a few hundred years before Jesus came on the scene. It was founded by a local king called Attalus, who was known for his deep affection for his brother, and uh, so they named the city Philadelphia, which, as you know, based on our city in the United States called Philadelphia, the name means brotherly love or one who loves his brother, literally from the ancient language. Philos means love, kind of a, an affectionate brotherly love. Autophos means brother. Philadelphia uh, was the name of this city. It was named several different things over the years by Roman emperors who came on the scene, uh, Neo Caesarea, Flavia, among others, but always the local people reverted back to this name Philadelphia because they felt like it best captured who they truly were as citizens of that city. Uh, I believe it was in the year AD 17, so just a few decades before Jesus came on the scene, the city and the, sur the surrounding region was rocked by, a, by an earthquake, and several cities were destroyed. Philadelphia itself was also damaged uh, but survived. Nevertheless, it experienced several uh, post 
quake shocks and tremors. Uh, so one ancient historian who lived in those days in the first century called Philadelphia the city of repeated earthquakes. Uh, so th those are some of the things that were taking place in this city. But who was this one who sent this letter ultimately to this church anyway? Of course, his name is Jesus. We just sang about him. His name is Jesus. It was Jesus who sent this letter and really, at the beginning of each of the seven letters that were written to these seven different ancient cities and churches uh, in Revelations chapter 2 and 3, we see different descriptions of Jesus. And I love how Jesus is described in Revelation chapter 3, verses 7. Think about it. First of all, he's described as the Holy One. Now, there's not a whole lot of people described as the Holy One. And of course, that harkens back to how God himself was described in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 6, look at this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. Nobody else is described that way in the entire Bible. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Here's another passage. Watch this from Isaiah chapter 40. To whom then will you compare me? This is God speaking. That I should be like him, says the Holy One. And that should ring a bell because we just saw Jesus described as the Holy One in Revelation chapter 3. But not only do we see Jesus described as the Holy One, we see Jesus described as the True One. He is true, which again harkens back to what we know about God. Look at this from the Old Testament, from the book of Numbers, chapter 23. God is not a man that he should lie. Everyone else is a liar, but God is true. And of course, the New Testament affirms this. Watch this, Romans 3, verse 4. Let God be true and every man a liar. And then, of course, in Revelation chapter 3, we see that, that Jesus is also the keeper of the key of David. That likewise harkens back to the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. This is something that God was saying to one of his stewards who held the key of David. He basically came to this guy because he was not getting the job done and said, you're fired. And then he started talking about the guy that he was replacing him with. And this is what God said. In that day, I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, this is the guy who replaced the guy who got fired. And I will clothe him with your robe and will bind your sash on him and will commit your authority to his hand. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. Now watch this. He shall open and none shall shut. And he shall shut and none shall shall open again. That should ring a bell. We just read those words in Revelation chapter 3. So what's going on here? Well, obviously they're talking about Jesus in very specific terms. First of all, Jesus is God. That's a great place for an amen. Jesus is God. You don't just describe anyone as the Holy One. That's God talk. That's God talk. By the way, John, the Apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation, probably more than anyone else in the entire New Testament, ardently argued that Jesus was God. That's huge. But not only do we see that in this language, we also see that Jesus is sovereign. 
He holds the key. He's large and in charge. Whatever he shuts, nobody can open. Whatever he opens, no one can shut. And when he speaks, we listen. Now, that's the one who's sending this message not only to the church in Philadelphia 2,000 years ago, but to Crossgate Church today. And the, the meat and potatoes of our message this morning is simply this, that God truly has set before us as we step into the year 2023, not only an open door, but multiple doors of significant ministry impact and opportunity. And so we're going to talk about some of those doors this morning. Certainly we're not going to cover the totality of all ministries at Crossgate Church. We don't have time to do that. But I'm going to hit a couple of key things that I truly believe that God has set before our church for the next 12 months that we might ardently and passionately make more and better disciples for Jesus Christ. The first door is this, the door of love. Now, the people in Philadelphia obviously prized the fact that they were known as the city of brotherly love because they kept going back to that name. But I believe that also implies that the people of that church were known for their love. By the way, of the seven letters that Jesus sent out in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, only two of the churches were not criticized in any way, and this was one of them. So I truly believe as I read between the lines here that they were a loving church, that, that, that they prized their love for other people. That's kind of the way we do things at Crossgate as well, you know. I mean, we got seven priorities at Crossgate. You know what they are? Glory, truth, love, prayer, community, generosity, and reach. Love is one of our big priorities. As a pastor, as the lead pastor of this church, God has given me four specific priorities for my own best energies. Preach the word, love the people, lead the leaders, and set the pace. That's what God has called me to do. And of course, we see some of these things taking place already, but boy, we pray that God just presses the accelerator, the love accelerator at Crossgate Church in the next 12 months, certainly for loving our members, right? I mean, one of the things that warms my heart about Crossgate Church is what I see taking place specifically in the context of life groups, right? I mean, I've seen people lose loved ones to death. I've seen people go through serious seasons of emotional and mental duress. I've seen people in, in financial need dealing with other massive family friction issues, and their life group rallies around them. So many of you could share testimonies of how your life group has rallied around you in a time of need, or perhaps you as a part of a life group have rallied around someone else in their time of need. I love seeing that at Crossgate Church. I also love to see our church rally around key moments of crisis that, that surpass the scope of any one life group. Case in point, last week, Pastor Josh, our next-gen pastor, uh, brought an excellent message on being thankful in the midst of crisis. And he recounted some of the details of how his house recently caught fire. And just within, within hours, Crossgate Church was rallying around his family. I mean, food, support, campers. I mean, you name it. Just the, the whole church began to descend on their little place out east of here. I mean, the church just rallied. I was so grateful to see that and be a part of that. So yes, absolutely, to love our members well is something God has called us to do. How about loving our guests well? You know, one of the things that so many of you have told me in the last year or so is this, 
Pastor Phil, I love to see all the new faces on our campus. I can't even keep up with all the new faces that I'm seeing at Crossgate, and I think that's awesome. Pastor Keith Capps, our Next Steps pastor, uh, has told me that we, they were averaging about 20 uh, guests and or families a month visiting our campus, and those are just the ones turning in Next Steps cards. There are certainly others that have not taken that step yet to turn in a Next Steps card. So the question is this. If I was to, and that's wonderful, but if I was to poll our guests and I was to say on a scale of 1 to 10, how friendly, how loving would you say Crossgate Church is? What would they say? Don't be so quick to say, oh, I know exactly what they'd say. Now, I will tell you this. From the street to the seat, I don't think anyone could avoid a warm, loving welcome. Pastor Keith and our, and our First Steps team, and if you're a part of the First Steps team, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you, and I love your, your compassionate efforts to greet warmly our guests uh, from the doors of the church to the doors of the worship center and other places strategically across our campus. Anyone who comes into, into this church, unless they somehow cloak and dagger it and sneak in through the side door or something, they are going to be warmly greeted from the street to the seat. But what about once they get in the seat? What, once they're seated, is it possible that someone could be seated in our worship center and worship and hear teaching and then slip out without anyone ever stopping to talk with them? It's very possible. You might be surprised how many people come in here and sit and leave without anybody engaging them in a loving way. I just saw this last night. I didn't even plan this. I just I saw this. Someone posted this, a friend of mine. Her husband is a part of a, they go to a different church. Uh, he's not a pastor. He's just a, a, a key lay leader. But she said this, my husband has three rules of engagement when we go to church. Number one, if anyone is sitting by themselves, we see anybody in the worship center sitting by themselves, we consider that an emergency. In other words, we're going to drop everything we have going on and we're going to beeline it over to that person and engage them and welcome them and let them know how much we appreciate them. Number two, friends can wait. You know, we, we, we come to church, yes, I, we love seeing the people we know, we love engaging and, and shaking hands and finding out how people are doing and catching up and all of that, but according to this guy, friends can wait. I'll talk to you in a minute. I see someone over there that I don't know. I'm going to go talk to them first. And here's the third thing. He always wants to introduce a newcomer to someone else. So it's not just that, oh, you meet this person over here or over here uh, that you don't know, but now you want to make sure you reel someone else into the conversation. Let me, let me introduce you to my friend John or Susan or whomever, right? Th those are some very deliberate things. Listen, you don't have to be an official volunteer at Crossgate Church to do that kind of stuff. Anybody can do that, right? So I would just ask you this question, how well are we loving our guests? And even beyond the Sunday morning experience, are, are, are we bringing people into our life group or, or, or other circles of friendship at Crossgate Church? How clickish is Crossgate Church? Are we truly loving our guests well? And then here's the third thing, loving our neighbors well. That, that, that's one of the things, that's part of this door that God has set before us. Now, I, I truly am, am so blessed to be a part of a church that loves its community well. We do quarterly blood drives, and we continue, y'all are so faithful in that, uh, to, to give back physically of yourself uh, to the community. Uh, we do Cinderella's Closet every year. 
meeting the needs of young ladies who might not otherwise have something nice to wear to their school formal or their prom. What a, what a wonderful ministry that is. We partner with The Call, which is Garland County's gospel-centered, Jesus-driven ministry to foster and adoptive families. Uh, we we uh, partner with Cutter Morning Star School to adopt families at Christmas time, which is coming around now. Great opportunity. We do Feed the Need, providing food for hungry people. Uh, we do Feed the, the Homeless every quarter downtown. Uh, we do hoodies for the homeless at Christmas time. Pastor Rob mentioned that earlier. Uh, we participated in one day uh, with the Arkansas State Baptist Convention this past October, where we sent 14 teams out into Hot Springs doing all kinds of ministries, meeting needs in Jesus' name. By the way, speaking of the call, uh, some of you may not be aware, but we hosted their annual Breakfast with Santa fundraising event yesterday in the, mall, in the, in the gym area. Uh, we had between two different seatings, we had over 400 people on our campus yesterday. Uh, this, this annual ministry event is designed to, one, love on the foster and adoptive families that are in the trenches taking care of children, and two, to be the fundraiser. The, the whole community was invited to be the fundraiser, the annual fundraiser for the call. Tremendous, tremendous opportunity, and I'm so thrilled to be able to partner uh, with the call and with all, just all that goes on with that wonderful ministry. And of course, the many volunteers that we had from Crossgate Church that participated. So grateful to see that. So I do believe, yes, we are a church that is leaning heavily into our community to love our neighbors well, but you can guarantee this. As we get into 2023, our elders and our pastors are going to be praying diligently about how we can even better and more effectively love our community in the days ahead. That's the door of love. Here's the second door, the door of prayer. Now go back and look at Revelation 3, chapter 7 and 8. Something very specific that Jesus says to this church. He says, I know that you have but little strength. Now keep in mind, Philadelphia was not the metropolis of the ancient world. It was not Rome or, or, or one of these other giant cities, okay? And certainly the church in Philadelphia was not a mega church by any stretch of the imagination. So that's certainly a reference, hey, I, I, I know, you, you, you only have so much strength, okay? But I truly believe that's also a reference to the Christians in Philadelphia and their right perspective on the abilities and, and, and strengths that they did have. Okay, what do you mean by that, Pastor Phil? What I simply mean to say is this. The people in Philadelphia realized that whatever they did for Jesus could not and would not be accomplished in their own strength. They had to desperately rely on God, and that's why I think they were so effective and why God set before them open doors. It, long story short, I believe Philadelphia was a praying church. I truly believe this church was a praying church. And the reason why I say that is this, because they had learned that, that, that the secret was not to somehow gin up enough energy and effort on their part, but the secret was to abide in Jesus Christ, as Jesus himself said in John chapter 15. Now, I've talked a lot over the last couple of years about Crossgate becoming a praying church and, and how important and critical that is. As a matter of fact, just a few weeks ago, in our... Um, Welcome to Babylon teaching series. We did a whole message on the, a praying church in Babylon. And one of the things I did in that message was I highlighted three characteristics of what you would expect to see in a church that is truly a praying church and not just a church that prays. Let me remind you of those here. First of which is this. A praying church expresses its utter dependence on God. 
I truly believe that the church in Philadelphia was, was, was in the habit of expressing its dependence on God. They knew that they didn't have strength. They knew that they could not rely on themselves. And I might remind you something I said a few months back. One Sunday morning, as I was kneeling here in the prayer partner network, and I had these prayer partners around me, and we were praying, God specifically said something to me. And it was so clear. I mean, you say, was it an audible voice? No, it was actually much louder than that. Okay? And God basically said, you have nothing to offer these people. You have nothing to offer these people except for me in and through you. That's, that's what God told me as the pastor of this church. May I say, say this to you, church, as an extension of that word to me? Crossgate Church has nothing to offer the people of Garland County. Crossgate Church has nothing to offer the people of Hot Springs, Arkansas, except Jesus Christ in and through us. If we think this building is our salvation, we are flat wrong. If we think our programs and our organization and all of the, the, the details that we have going on on Sundays and Wednesdays and throughout the week is somehow going to get us there, we are mistaken. We have nothing to offer. We have, we have to be utterly dependent and desperate for God. That's the secret of the sauce. And so a praying church recognizes that that it's not ultimately about doing for God, but rather being in God. And everything else flows out of that. That's one of the marks of a praying church. Secondly, a praying church prioritizes time and space to prayer. You'll look across the schedule, you'll look across the calendar, you'll look at the Sunday morning worship gathering, and you'll know if it's a praying church or not. By the priority they place on prayer. And thirdly, and this is the most important thing of all, really, in terms of evidence, a praying church is known for results that cannot be explained by anything other than the power of God. Not that we seek the results. We seek God. But when we press in for God to this degree of, of dependence and desperation, it's unbelievable how God shows up in the lives of people. Those are the marks of a praying church. And, and I will tell you that my burden as a pastor, there are few burdens that, that lie heavily on my heart more so than that our church would, would have these things to be true of us. A couple things to think about in 2023. First of all, we're going to hit the ground running in January. 31 days of prayer. January is going to be a prayer emphasis. Uh, certainly not not completely you know, limited to the, the, the Sunday morning teaching, although we are going to do five messages on uh, the power of prayer and 31 days of prayer. Five messages in January all about prayer. There will be some other touch points as well. Of course, as, as many of you know, we are in the process now of, of better uh, syncing up and, and linking up our prayer partner network and our life groups. Uh, when we started the prayer partner network uh, 18 months ago, uh, we did not deliberately link them to the life groups, uh, but now God has really brought us to the point where that's, that's become very important. Uh, so basically, the, the group of people that meets with me on the stage every week for prayer, uh, that rotates. Uh, we have 12 dif different teams currently, so each team only rotates through once every three months. It's not a massive commitment. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to get as many of those teams to be life group-centric uh, as, as, as January unfolds. Uh, first of all, let me tell you this. We've got about 15 life groups currently signed on 
uh, to be prayer partner network teams. Uh, two of those are student teams. That, isn't that going to be awesome? I mean, in, in, over the course of three months, two different Sundays, I will be surrounded by students up here, middle school and high school students. You talk about a wonderful discipling moment helping uh, teenagers to find out the power of prayer. Uh, first of all, let me say this. Building this kind of synergy is going to be a huge win for me as your pastor. Okay, you say, why do you say that, Pastor Phil? Listen, you would have to be the man named Phil Kramer to know just how, how important and powerful it is to be kneeling up here and being surrounded by prayer partners in prayer moments before I get up to bring the Word of God. It's a massive win for me. Now, I know there's some people who have said, well, Pastor, I just I don't feel comfortable getting up on the platform during prayer time. Can't I just pray in the bullpen or pray at my seat? I, mean, I, I don't feel comfortable. Well, I got that. Okay, but here, this, is why, this is all the more reason why I give a massive thank you to those who have signed on for this because that shows me that you're willing to step outside of your comfort zone for the sake of your pastor, all right? Uh, you got my vote, brother, okay? That, that is awesome for me to see people stepping outside of their comfort zone and not remaining in their comfort zone. But let me tell you this. Life groups connecting with the Prayer Partner Network is a huge win for the life groups for a couple reasons. One, because it's a great, as I said already, a great discipling opportunity, right? I mean, a life group leader, their heartbeat should be to disciple their, their, their folks and help them to grow deeper and to go deeper in their faith in Jesus Christ. And to have a sustained time of prayer together as a life group, that's going to be a tremendous opportunity for discipling your people in prayer. But here's the other thing. Nothing will develop unity in your life group more than when you have sustained seasons of prayer together. Nothing will develop unity more. See, we're not, we're not wired together by organization. We're, we're not frozen together by, by tradition and all the rest. We are melted together in prayer. We're melted together in prayer. And, and so these are going to be some tremendous opportunities. Now, in addition to those, as you know, this past August, we launched our Wednesday night House of Prayer that takes place here in the Worship Center every Wednesday night from 6 to 6.25, ahead of the Wednesday night activities. We're going to be launching in January our Sunday morning House of Prayer opportunity and touch point. That will take place in our prayer room, which is currently being refurbished and refreshed. It's right next to the elevator over here in our mall area. Uh, again, that'll be a great time to gather for prayer ahead of our worship services and praying specifically for what's going to be taking place on Sunday morning. I got it. People's schedules won't always permit them to take advantage of these touch points, but we want to put several prayer fishing hooks in the water in a sense that we would continue to develop this culture of being a praying church. And then also in January, we're going to launch an opportunity to come up for prayer at the end of our, our worship services. So of course, we already have our next steps area out in the mall area where people can go and take their next step to trust Christ for salvation or baptism, find a life group, sign up for membership matters, whatever the next step is. But you may be at church on Sunday and you simply say, you know, I just, I need somebody to pray with me. I mean, I've, I've, I've got this burden and I'm just, I'm, I need someone to, to pray with me personally. Well, we're going to have a couple prayer partners at either side of our platform on the ground so that, so to speak, as the herd leaves the worship center and goes to the life group or whatever, people who need prayer can just come on up and we'll have a prayer partner there to pray with them. I'll tell you, church, this, this truly is one of the biggest burdens on my heart right now, is that we would press in, in in a more meaningful and dependent way on God, specifically through prayer. 
That's the door of prayer. But here's the third and final door, the door of reach. The door of reach. Now, of course, we've, we've used the metaphor of the open door to, to relate to love and, and, and to prayer, and we could relate it to all kinds of things. But, but specifically in the New Testament, anytime you see the language of a door or an open door, it's always talking about the opportunity to lead men, women, boys, and girls to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the specific application of the door. For example, Acts 14. Watch this. Let me give you some scripture. When Paul and Barnabas arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 16, look at this. This is Paul the Apostle writing. He says, I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me. Colossians chapter 4. By the way, if any of you wants to know how you can pray for me, this is how you can pray for me. Paul says, pray for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. You know, we oftentimes talk about being an outward-focused church. We want to focus on our community. We want to focus on the people that don't go to church. We want to focus on the lost, people who don't know Jesus Christ. And when we talk about making more disciples, that's exactly what we're talking about. Leaning in to people who need to be saved. And there's several ways and several doors, in a sense, that God has placed before us at Crossgate Church, both locally and globally, in order to do that. And by the way, we're not even going to wait to January to hit this door of reaching. We're, I mean, we're going to hit the ground running in December, this month, as a part of Christmas. For example... Our entire Christmas theme this year is Go and Tell. It's based on the old Christmas carol, Go and Tell It on the Mountain. Well, what exactly are you going and telling on the mountain? Are you telling everybody what you got for Christmas? No, you're, you're telling them about Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is born, not just that he was born historically, but that he was born in your heart as well through the new birth. The shepherds came and they saw Jesus and they went and they told the wise men came and they saw Jesus, and very presumably, they went and they told. And other people who engaged Jesus early on especially went and they told what they had experienced in Jesus Christ. That's what we're all about at Crossgate Church, both locally and globally. Uh, we already mentioned that on December 18th, we'll be having a baptism service here on our campus, and certainly we have several already lined up for that. But maybe you're here and you've never followed the Lord in what we call Believer's baptism uh you know perhaps you, you trusted jesus christ at some point in time and you just never been baptized or maybe like me you were baptized as an infant i was even baptized by my grandfather as an infant as a baby and it was very meaningful to my family but i didn't remember anything about it i was only a week old when i was 17 i trusted christ as savior and lord and then i followed the lord in believers baptism so perhaps some of you need to get your baptism on the right side of your salvation December 18th would be an awesome opportunity to do that. Maybe as a child, you took a big step toward Jesus at vacation Bible school or, or some other function or event, and someone said, you need to get baptized. But then later on, when you were 20 or 25 or 30 or 35 years old, you realize that you look back over your life and you're not really sure that that was the real thing, and you got your salvation settled later on. I mean, you nailed it down. Well, now it's time to get, again, the baptism on the right side of your salvation. December 18th is a great time to do that. And then Christmas Eve, 
Christmas Eve service is still the best time to invite unchurched and lost people to church out of the whole year, even more so than Easter. Christmas Eve is, is the best opportunity to be an outward-focused church. By the way, tomorrow night, please be in prayer that the weather remains good. Uh, we're going to have our Hot Springs Christmas Parade downtown. Thousands and thousands, if not tens of thousands of people will be downtown, and Crossgate Church will be right there in the middle of it. Last year, we had a float in the parade. I believe we were the only church that had a float in the parade. This year, we're not only going to have a float, uh, but we're also going to have several folks walking along the float on either side, passing out candy and invite cards to our Christmas Eve service. Boom, 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 boom. I think we've got maybe 2,000 invite cards that we have. Between the Christmas parade, we've got a bunch out in the lobby area, the mall area. Please grab some on your way out and just start inviting people, everybody. Anybody who has breath in their lungs is an opportunity to invite to our Christmas Eve service. So we're going to hit the ground running in December before it even gets to January. Now in January, we're going to launch a new campaign called Who's Your One? Okay, Who's Your One? This is not something exclusive to Crossgate. A lot of churches have done this. But basically from January to Easter, which is early April, everyone's going to be asked to pray about that one person in your life, be a family member, friend, work associate, whatever, who's lost, who doesn't know Jesus and needs to know Christ, and you're going to begin to pray for that person and ultimately invite them to come to church or perhaps share the gospel with them. I'll tell you more about that uh, next week. Okay? Now, one of the other things we're going to do leading up to Easter is a teaching series called Jesus at the Crossroads of Life, Meeting Jesus at the crossroads of life. Every one of those messages is going to be from the Gospels and looking at stories where people met Jesus and, and their lives were changed. Woman at the well, Zacchaeus, Nicodemus, and so forth and so on. Tremendous Sundays with an evangelistic emphasis for you to invite people and specifically your one. So many other things are going to take place in 2023, but I will tell you there, there will be a reach into our community perhaps at a, at a greater level than ever before from Crossgate Church. It's a massive door that's set before us. And then let's talk globally. Right? Today, uh, we have our informational meeting. Some of you might have attended one already in the conference room upstairs. Steve Trammell, the executive director of Amazon Outreach, which is the organization with whom we travel to the Amazon River every year for a tremendous missions opportunity, uh, is, is on campus uh, Steve's doing informational meetings after the, the first service, of course, and then after this service. So if you want to know anything about the Amazon trip, uh, you need to go up to the conference room and spend about 15, 10 or 15 minutes with, with Steve and some others that will be there who can tell you all about it. I've been, I took my daughter, I hope you will pray about joining us this next summer to go to the Amazon. It, it's, it's one of the best shovel-ready international mission trips I've ever seen. If you can sleep in a hammock, and you can survive in a hammock for five or six nights, you can go to the Amazon and have a tremendous impact. And no matter what your background is, what your skill set is, trust me, we can, have a, we can have a role for you to play on the Amazon. In addition to the Amazon in 2023, we are in conversations right now with our two missionary families, uh, the ships in Thailand. And of course, I'll have them on the stage with me on the 18th to talk all about what they're doing there. Uh, and then the Ricketts in the, uh, the island nation of Vanuatu. Uh, we're talking to both of those families now and saying, what are your needs? How can we best support you? If we sent a team of six to eight people to your location next year, what, what would you need from us? Right? We don't want to just go to go, but I mean, we, we have some specific things that we can provide for you on site 
uh, some skills and, and, and ministries and so forth. How can we be a blessing to you? So, so more to follow on that, but there are some emerging opportunities there. And then I'm actually having lunch with a couple this upcoming week about a new potential opportunity in the African nation of Uganda, a, a gospel-centered, Jesus-centered opportunity. Listen, I, I'm asking God to, to create in us a hunger to be a sending church, to be a sending church, to send people out to the four corners of the globe with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, let me close the message by saying this. God has absolutely set before us an open door. Open doors, plural. But an open door implies something. An open door implies an intentional next step to step in and through that door. And the old leadership phrase still holds true. We're generally not as intentional as we think we are. You ever thought about that? And if you're a business owner, or you manage people in some other organization, or you just have responsibilities out there somewhere, it's just as true for you as it is for me as a pastor. We're generally not as intentional as we think we are. Oh, Pastor Phil, we're a loving church we're probably not as intentional as we think we are. But Pastor Phil, why do you always talk about how Crossgate needs to become a praying church? I mean, we're, we're a praying church, Pastor Phil. We're probably not as intentional as we think we are. Pastor Phil, I feel like we're a reaching church. I mean, I, I feel like, I, not, I think the gospel's important, and I've been saved, and I think people need to come to Jesus. We're probably not as intentional as we think we are. And so as we step it boldly, remember Daniel eleven thirty two, 32, the people who know their God will stand firm and they will take action, okay? But we're probably not as intentional. You are probably not as intentional as you think you are. This is a great time to simply ask God to give us the conviction and give us the boldness to stand firm and to take action and to, and to take a giant stride into the year 2023, beginning with building that, that, that momentum even in the month of December. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.